because I'm like, oh. There we go. Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family and is sponsored in part by SadMenForLonelyWomen.com. Sad Men for Lonely Women, because at some point or another, somebody stopped loving you. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films that you'll never find on a film study syllabus. Although, this week might be an exception as we examine Alejandro Mike Wazowski's. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the Holy Mountain. Mike Wazowski. Yeah, that's right. I want to see that movie. And in fact, this entire month we'll be uh, doing movies that you will probably find on the syllabus to a film studies course because, uh, once again, as we try to do at the start of every year, it's a month of anti-trash. That is correct. And so we're very, very glad to be doing this and sort of taking a brief change in speed and pace and look at more of the high arty, highfalutin kind of films. And uh, we begin with The Holy Mountain. But before we get into that, we need to identify the disembodied voices speaking to your brains. I go to my left, ma'am, if you would. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and our bees make honey, but your flies make shit. Accurate. Uh, moving on, uh, if you would, sir. Hi, I'm Caleb Masters, and you are excrement. You can change yourself into gold. Man, I'd like to. That'd be nice. Uh, thank you very much for that. Across the table, if you would, sir. I am Arthur Gordon, and hi. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best quote of a movie. And to my right, sir, if you would. My name is Dalton Stewart, and you must rub your clitoris against the mountain. Actually, that might be the best quote of the movie. <laughs> Actual line from this movie. The, there are lots of good ones. My name is Dustin Sells, and I have conquered the Holy Mountain horizontally. I am a champion, and I am very, very glad. <laughs> that was such a great moment. <laughs> it's so insane. And uh, this movie is all kinds of madness and insanity, and we are going to do spoilerific spoiler reaches. And there really is a significant spoiler. I think there's a moment uh, towards the end that is pretty pretty significant. So we're going to avoid that for the first bit of the show. What we'll do is we'll give a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, and then we'll go right into our thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. And after that, guys and gals, it is spoilers. Ahoy, you have been warned. So let's move on and get down to uh, those thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. greed-fueled world, a powerful alchemist leads a Christ-like character and seven materialistic figures to the Holy Mountain, where they hope to achieve enlightenment. Indeed they do. Indeed they do. That is what's going on with the film. Now you know a brief synopsis, although I, this probably is sort of unsynopsizable. I don't know. I, I never get tired of uh, the voice of the cinema, especially when it's uh, synopsizing really strange, nonlinear, or jumbled films. Yes, and it is all of those things. So let's move around the table very quickly with our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Does it work? And if so, why? Does it not? And also then, if so... Why? So I go to you first, Mr. Dalton. Sir, what do you say? I had a pretty similar experience uh, with Holy Mountain uh, to the experience I had when we watched Mulholland Drive for this show, um, which was I was absolutely furious and annoyed for about 20 minutes. Uh, and then out of nowhere, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't have quite the turnaround I did with Mulholland Drive, though. Uh, I mean, by the end of that film, I was basically standing and clapping and shouting, this is a goddamned masterpiece. By the end of Holy Mountain, I was saying, hmm, well, that was interesting. I'm glad I watched that. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. Um, this movie opens with Alejandro Jordawaski, uh shaving two naked women's heads. Uh, features a guy that looks like Jesus shitting into a uh, a bucket. Uh, I guess not even a bucket. It's, uh, like, it's like a, a fishbowl. It's like a fish, a fishbowl. Uh, and then an extended sequence of turning his poop into gold. Um this is a movie where people get shot and their squibs are filled with blue and orange paint. 
It's a weird movie. I, I was listening to a, a conversation about Gunga Din on uh, the canon earlier this week, and, and uh, Devin Farachi brought up a good point that uh, basically, if you're going to be a person that's into film, you're going to kind of have to reach a point where you say, yeah, I mean, there's going to be problematic things in older films, and you're just going to have to get over it, honestly. Um Especially with a movie like this, there are things that we would not do today, the things that we find really troubling uh, to our modern sensibilities. And that's okay. I'm not saying you should not be troubled by things, uh, but you're going to have to accept that you have to get past them if you really want to have an intellectual discussion about these films. It doesn't impugn the quality of an older film just because it has, you know, problematic messages or does things that we find, you know, pretty shocking and not okay by today's standards. And there are certainly those moments within Holy Mountain. Um, just a lot of weird stuff. Although, no weird male gazy stuff. Lots of just gazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, equal opportunity nudity. So if the film were... I, I think it's been pretty clear already, uh, just based on these pretty nondescript descriptions we're giving you, um, this is a weird fucking movie, and it's not for everybody. But I enjoyed it. Uh, there were some really interesting things going on here, uh, really interesting political and societal critiques. Uh, but if if you can get past the completely bullshit nonsense first 15 minutes that I still don't think works, um, there's a really pretty remarkable film following that. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you in terms of thumbs up, thumbs down review? I think I would echo uh, Dalton for the most part. Uh, it is weird, and I don't know that I could have gotten through it by myself, uh, but having watched it with the group and making it to the finish line, I did enjoy it. I like the ending, and we'll get into that later. Uh, I like how that works. I like a lot of uh, Jodorowsky's uh, vision, uh, his imagination, the things he's doing, the stuff he's putting together, uh, the visual pieces. It it looks really great, like Dalton said, and so I'm glad I watched it. I'm not upset about that at all, uh, but I'm also thankful for a group of people uh, who uh, <laughs> sat through it with me because that made it uh, much more uh, bearable for me. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Caleb Masters, what say you in thumbs up, thumbs down review? Well, the, to paraphrase the you know the the great film critic, uh, oh sorry, historical figure Winston Churchill, uh, the Holy Mountain is a riddle wrapped inside a mystery, inside enigma, but perhaps there is and lies the key. Uh, this movie doesn't really uh, on the surface make any sense. Uh, the first thirty minutes are, I mean, I couldn't have made it through the film had I not watched it with you guys. And I'm, I can usually buckle down for a while and watch things that I'm not sure about, but it, it's a good, what, 25, 30 minutes before there's any sort of anything resembling a plot in the film. I, I don't think it's bad. It's, it's all, uh, the, the imagery is, is beautiful and you know, it means something when you're watching it. It seems like, Oh, well, obviously he's trying to get at something with all this nonsensical animal destruction and paintings and prostitutes. And I, I don't know, everything dressed like nuns, just like nuns. <laughs> That's an important point. That is and, an important and yet point. they still totally look like hookers. And exactly. So. Oh, they definitely look like prostitutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's 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 a fine line to walk there. Yeah. Uh so the the movie is uh it's nonsensical for about the first third of the film, uh but I think once it gets that that middle grid, that that middle section, act 2 really redeemed the film for me cuz that's when you get into you know looking at different facets of of society. It's my favorite segment of the film oh. is that second act. Oh, by by far yeah. cuz that's where things make the most sense and and you see with and that's really what lays on the table what the movie's about. Uh, but uh, I, I thought Act 2 is really strong, and it, it really brought a lot of meaning even to the, the... The first act is nonsensical. The second act actually makes a whole lot of sense, and then Act 3 literally... <laughs> wow. It makes no sense at all. I mean, the, the ending's pretty neat, but like, there's that scene where there's literally just like random, I mean, tiger-breasted women, and oh my god. Yeah. That was a dude. Oh, it with, was a dude? With half a beard. It's a, it's a oh, oh, he did have a half beard. Who shoots milk out of his nipples of his that nipples. are the heads of leopards. Well, excuse me for, for mistaking that for... <laughs> he definitely had a dick. Okay. He did, but that doesn't yes. mean he didn't have breasts either. Hey, okay? Having a dick doesn't mean you're not a woman. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't say a breast, but anyway. Uh, so it's very nonsensical. I, I'm, really, I, I, I'm glad I watched this too. It, it's very clear this film is very influential in pop culture whether pop culture realizes it's influential in pop culture it's influential and i think it's, it's definitely it was definitely worth a, a worth a watch i'm glad i watched it would i watch it again Ooh, that's that's the real that's the real question uh though i would m- most definitely have to watch it with other people again and uh i feel like act one might make a whole lot more sense now on the upon reviewing but uh yeah I, uh, so, so thumbs up for me 
Okay, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what do you say in terms of review? So whenever we pop this movie in, I was kind of slightly high on cough medicine because I've been fighting an illness for the past few uh, few days in the past week or so. So I go into this film and I'm just like, I'm just going to accept everything. I'm just going to accept what's on screen and be okay with it. And I think that's the kind of the key to watching this film. And in fact, watching most films that might be challenging or problematic to go back to Dalton's point is like, um, you just need to see what is on film and uh, you just need to accept it and, and move on. But I, I mean, I think that's the key of acceptance is the best part of watching this movie. Um, I didn't really know what was going on that first section like we've all discussed um yeah the second act is really brilliant and i think that that's where the movie really shines and then the conclusion of the film um i think is also a really high selling point of course you know i think it would be worthy of a rewatch again reiterating it's not for everyone but if you're the kind of person who really kind of digs this experience because it is an experience like mulholland drive um, then I would encourage you to watch it because it's, it's definitely worth your time, super influential. Um, and I probably wouldn't have watched it if not for, uh, this, uh, this guy next to me, the picker of the film, Mr. Dustin Sells. So, um, yeah, I, I thumbs up for sure. Uh, but I don't know. It's not for everyone. Just accept it. Well, thank you very much for that, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. It is not a host pick film. Um, I did lobby very hard for this one when we were I, working it out. It wasn't a host pick? That's funny. Um, this is the first time I'd actually watched the film with a group. I had seen it a couple times, and all those times were on my own. Uh, well, I, I say that. I, I watched one watched one with my wife, and uh, she suffered mightily. And um, I think her official review was, that was really weird, um, which is where most of us are falling, I think, with, with uh, reaction to the film. In right? fact, that was more or less my review on Letterboxd, was this is a weird fucking movie. Four stars. Would watch again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy weird. It definitely uh, rewards some rewatching. Uh, it it does have layers and meaning. It has significance on accident sometimes, and as um, intentional civilization that's there, that's you know worthwhile and worth looking at, and uh, worth having a discussion. I think uh, Jordawski himself is interesting as a um, you know a sort of a heir to surrealism. He uh, knew Andre Breton personally. Oh, that's uh, he cool. was, I didn't know that. He was part of the whole Panique uh, sort of installation art movement of uh, the late 60s in Paris uh, with Arabal and others. And so he's uh, he's connected to those sort of things. Uh, he did a lot of work uh, in Mexico in uh, avant-garde theater, uh, a lot of Beckett plays and those kind of things. And uh, so he's, he's uh, definitely on the avant-garde side of what's going on, but he decided rather than to make sort of, again, art house movies uh he made midnight films and uh this um you know movies for sort of cult audiences for hippie audiences for the stoner crowd um and you know in those sort of exploitation style theaters uh the grind houses of yeah the this, day. Is, this is an, an artsy exploitation film i mean make no bones about it yeah but it's absolutely an exploitation a guy movie. that looks like uh, jesus gets his butthole washed it, there, there, there is much anus in this film. Um, so there you go, dear listener. You now know where we're coming from and our opinions and sort of our thoughts going into this. We have spent enough time doing this. It's now time to get down to business. It's business. That's right, dear listener, and that business is analysis, and we are so excited to be bringing you some of that right here, right now. We're going to do sort of a roundtable um, style discussion today, and I have a handful of questions that I have prepared uh, for this. And the first question I want to ask is, because it is so episodic, is uh, what is the uh, most interesting or you know your favorite episode uh, in the film? And then I guess as a follow up question, you know, what's the most uh, you know interesting sort of symbolism that you see in the film as well? I go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What say you? Well, um, most interesting episode, huh? Ooh. I mean, I I still maintain that Act Two when he once he actually gets into the keep after he rides his fish hook of destiny into the tower, and he's introduced by who he uh, Mr. Jordowski, who he compared to a Mortal Kombat uh, character. Um, I I was very intrigued by uh, the the idea of this Jesus esque character shitting into a bowl. 
and the guy and 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 this who I at the time thought might be like God, but we found out was actually just actually was just a wizard. I think maybe uh, promised him he could be turned into gold, and I just thought I thought, I thought it was really interesting this idea of uh, despite all the 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 riches and the wealth that he goes into talk about later that uh, the 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 key to his like uh, immortality or whatnot was literally a bowl of crap mm-hmm. that he whipped into some sort of like formula that that enlightened him uh and what is that what is that what is that i mean what, i i it's been it's been kind of sitting in that fizz in the back of my head like what is what exactly does that mean well he 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 turns it into a gold nugget which starts his uh road to uh enlightenment but i think the statement there's pretty clear money is shit yeah and jordawski actually that's a quote he says uh, a couple times he's got a long diatribe of that in jordawski's dune the documentary really uh, about yeah that that the, his opinion of money well no that's, that, really that, that, that's fine but that's and I, I don't disagree with that but and again this is what's fun about this avant-garde stuff i feel like that's too shallow though you know what i mean like I, I feel like that's the obvious okay. answer. I feel like he's trying to get at something even deeper there. Like the like the 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 wealth of our world is literally built on our own bullcrap, mm-hmm. right? Like like yeah. the the pillar of our human existence is the stuff we shit out of our ass. You know, well like he's a, he's not just taking money down a peg. He's actually also elevating excrement. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. He, he's bringing value to the filthiest. Thing. I mean, it's honestly kind of leveling the playing field. Uh, so I don't know. It's there's some interesting ideas there, and then then the, the whole trip to enlightenment that we get to uh, before he goes and, and and meets all of the different people ruling over their different planets was fascinating because uh, I felt like that was more or less where he was really laying out this again. Interesting because he's like a Christ-like figure. I mean, that's clearly who he's supposed to represent from the first stretch of the film. And then he then has to immortalize. He has to he has to be enlightened, you know. So what, what is Jordawski saying about Jesus in that scene? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting ideas. I've been I'm fizzling. I've been fizzling. Well, he takes him to the mountain and says, "Okay, now that you've climbed the mountain with the other nine of us, you've got to go back and got to go back to the world and tell people what you've experienced and what you know now." So I mean, even by the tail end of the film, he's still very much a Christ-like figure because he has to leave the mountain and go back to the people, which is really. This whole movie is so fucking weird and fascinating, though, and really interesting. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for that very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's your favorite episode uh, slash image from the film? Well, we've already talked a little bit uh, about that. I think both myself, Caleb, and Alex, we all really connected with that middle section of the film um, where we we look at these different titans of industry and what they do and how they do what they do. and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, um, but there's some great imagery in that, I think, just in general. Uh, I think one of my, really, the, my favorite images, um, and it's, it's a series of images, but it's um, where the thief character, the, this Christ-like figure we've been referring to, um, has a, they're on the boat to the Holy Mountain. He has this vision uh, of this um, quadruple amputee um, who is also a little person, I think, Um who was his friend early in the film, and he has this vision of this guy, um, and um, like he, oh, he, and he jumps up and hugs him, and then we realize that he's not actually even there. And then the alchemist or the wizard that we've been referring to, the Alejandro Jordawski's character, says, "You have to kill him. You have to throw him off the boat and drown him." And it's this really like, and then it cuts back to the thief, and then we see that the guy's not there. He's he's having a, a, a vision of some kind, and he just like looks at the empty space in his arms and like starts to cry. And that's, that's such a good moment. I also really like once we've they've assembled uh, the uh, the Justice Society of America together um, to go on. To, it's to, basically what yeah, it is. Yeah, to prep, Sailor Moon. Yeah, to prep for the trip to the Holy Mountain. He's like, okay, you have to burn all your money, and then you have to burn yourself. And he has these weird paper mache statues of all of them, and they all st- stick it in the middle of this this donut shaped table. Uh, the ring of said donut is on fire. And these paper mache figures are all stuffed into the table and they're on fire. And I really... Sorry. And I really enjoyed that moment because there's this really interesting thing about, uh, you know, killing your own ego and, and dying to your to your own self-importance uh, and, and recognizing that you're not the most unique and beautiful snowflake in the universe. Uh, and you have to just kind of accept that and roll with it. And I thought that was that moment uh, in particular and that that visual image I really enjoyed and connected with. 
Excellent. Thank you for that very much. Uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what was your favorite uh, episode slash image from the film? I kind of actually liked the first act a bit. Um, and I don't know that's any more nonsensical than the rest of the movie. Uh, it's just probably the least. I mean, we don't have the dialogue, so I think yeah, it's I, less driven. I think in hindsight, uh, once there is dialogue and direct plotting, um, you kind of the, the first that first act makes a lot more sense in hindsight. Yeah. I think the first act becomes more powerful upon rewatch. I mean, Mr. Mr. Sells, have you, you've seen this multiple times. I'm sure you can attest to this fact. I would agree with that. Yeah. And so I, I just coming from my personal background in church and stuff. I really, uh, one of the more interesting sequences is when he is uh, brought into the, uh, essentially the uh, crucifix making factory and they begin replicating his image and, uh, there's this kind of harrowing scene when he's trying to run out of the, the temple. It's essentially the tossing of the temple tables mm-hmm. account that we were familiar with. And he is kind of stuck in there in this uh, capitalist church where, uh, you know, we've commercialized the church and he's trying to make it out in the midst of all these images of himself. And I think it's very interesting. With the sign outside that says Christ's for sale, right? Yeah. Well, and then there's the the Christ for sale. And then when he goes to try to talk to the priest who is sleeping with the – who is sleeping with the – uh, with the another one of the copies or, or the idols, and he's right there, and he's like, "No, go away, get out of my building." It was really, really unreal. I mean, definitely some heavy co- yeah. commentary about you know the priest figures caring more about the I- the ID the idol or the ideology yeah. than the actual Christ figure himself. With that weird self. overdub that he sounds like one of the aliens from Mars Attacks. Yes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's funny. Uh, so I enjoyed that sequence. I, I like the end. I, I do like that whole sequence and the uh, the usurping of the KKK circle table at the top of the mountain uh, where they're all hanging out there. Well, we, we can <laughs> now a bunch of dummies. <laughs> but uh, and so I, I enjoy both of those moments quite a bit. I like uh, the whole planet thing. I like each planet yeah. as we visit each planet. Um, I can't remember which one it is. It may be the art dealer, but there's the uh, the mechanical sex machine. Yeah, that's the art dealer. That, that was a lot of fun. Is so awesome. That was, that's the, a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. That was such an important piece of like really feminist. That was such a feminist moment. Like yeah. so, she's the only one that so knows brilliant. what to do. The job done. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon, uh, for those selections. Uh, Miss Alexander Bohanna, what was your favorite episode or image or both uh, from the film? Well, my favorite, my favorite part and my quick piece. Oh shit! Sorry, I wrote this on bullet. Um, my favorite part about this was our discussion of Venus, um, the first of the powerful individuals um, whenever the thief meets with the mentor, wizard, alchemist man. Um, Venus works in a factory that only has female employees with hundreds of wives and concubines at his disposal. Um, so my point of analysis and probably my favorite symbol in the Holy Mountain is how this is this isn't really a larger critique of Venus whose actual character name escapes me, but it's actually a larger critique of the societal structures that we place our women in. Essentially what I feel like Jordawaski is saying in his, in this film, um, or at least in this segment is that women are placed in these structures represented by the factory that reinforce that their sole identity is being lovers, wives and child bearers. And then we notice that the this and the example of the one specific female, we, we follow her journey from being just, you know, a, like a, a worker. They, they start as secretaries and then yeah. they become his wives yes. and then they become his workers. Yes. Um, and so we whenever we follow this specific female, she kind of represents the whole of women um, being reduced to only this role. Obviously, then after they are discarded, added to the larger group of women who are then used uh, for these sole purposes. Um, so this segment for me felt like then a larger critique of our patriarchal society and then how women to this day, uh, obviously, are still subjected to only this fate. No, that's a fair point. Um, I really, really like that reading and analysis very, very much, Miss Alex Bohannon. And we are going to keep doing just this now. We are going to talk specifically about the uh, nine uh, different, you know, sort of industrialists and thieves and talk about their... Are uh, there nine? I think there's only... Oh, eight. there's eight, I guess. I think, but, no, I think there's seven because the other ten are... Um, there's the, no mur- Mercury, is there? Um, the The illustrated woman or the painted woman i forget what her name is she's mercury mm-hmm. the alchemist's assistant and then the alchemist is the sun and i think the thief is the moon oh is he the moon so he was an earth no there's no earth ah. i think there's 10 total 
So, so I mean, yeah, the seven titans of industry, and these titans, of course, are putting on you know various kinds of industry, and uh, Venus is um you know selling comfort products. You know, I mean, it would be um, the incontinent ring in hell. You know, those who just sort of give themselves over to whatever pleasures they may be, not necessarily just lust. And uh, so that's uh, a, bar- a part of what Alex has described so far. So I'm just going to ask you guys uh, just to talk about one of your favorite others of those planets and uh, what you thought was meaningful or significant uh, in in those things. I will actually pitch to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Uh, what would you select as uh, your favorite sort of planet, character, person, critique? I think one of the most troubling is the – I can't remember which planet it is, uh, but it is the uh, Toys of War maker. Love uh, Mars. Mars. No, that's not Mars. Mars is the maker of war. The toy maker is Saturn. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mars actually makes weapons of war. Saturn is a uh, toy manufacturer who almost exclusively makes toys of war. Yeah, for ideological purposes. Oh, it's so yeah. brilliant. Like that really, yeah. really big gun, right? <laughs> that was one of the, the best props gun. in that movie. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Oh this my movie. god, cosplay. This movie is full it. of amazing yeah, props. It really is. I don't know how this movie apparently was only made for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's just like this is such a dangerous movie. There's live animals all over the goddamn place. <laughs> it's it's bonkers. But yeah, Arthur, I I absolutely love that sequence. Uh, and so that's one that sticks out. And I I also am struck by the uh, the police state. Uh, planet. Mm-hmm. I think it's Neptune, possibly. Yeah, it is Neptune. It's Neptune, Neptune because he's got the pitchfork. Simple. Yeah, and so just because he's a very handsome uh, Titan and the most Titan of the Titans, he got a dope mohawk. Yeah, he does. He he rocks that thing. Uh, and so I I think those two stuck out the most to me uh, throughout throughout that whole stretch. All right, thank you very much for that, Mister Arthur Gordon, Mister Caleb Masters. What would you select? Um, well, I, Alex's pick was probably my favorite as well. I, maybe I think it was probably the, the clearest one that he was trying to get at with the with uh, in that in that particular critique. Although I, I really I really dug it because it's it's, it's totally, especially in the seventies, uh, encapsulating a you know a real problem. Still, of course, relevant today, of course. But uh, it's a an issue that seems like it might be making more progress these days. But uh, who knows? Anyway, uh, but so I don't want to. I, I can't say it any better than Alex already said it. Um, the one I, I did find the cosmetics manufacturer of Venus to be uh, especially interesting, uh, particularly. Uh, I think it might be more relevant today in 2016 than maybe it was in the 1970s. Um, because I, I find that, uh, you know, things seem to be, uh, especially in the postmodern era, it's a lot more about surfaces and how things look than how things actually are. I, I just, I, it's something uh, really interesting and kind of sad about this that, uh, and he, you know, he says people, it, you, he value the, oh, no one really cares who you are for, for who you are. It's how you look. Uh, and I think especially, and in film, and, and in Hollywood especially, uh, how you look really defines, in a lot of ways, is going to define your early career, which is going to define your late career. What do you look like? Well, you look like uh, you look like you're going to be a lead man, or hey, you look like a character type. You look like you're from the South. We're going to play, we're going to pigeonhole, you know? Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a critique on society as a whole, uh, Hollywood in particular. I'm sure this was a thing in the 1970s as well. Um, and uh, there's something that really resonated with that, though. Uh, looks really aren't aren't everything in this movie is kind of saying, yeah, but culture says it is. And, and also it, it, it buries the truth, not only of identity, but uh, you know, those masks you you could put on would blast you after you died. So people could remember you instead of remembering you for who you are. It was like, you had this really weird face thing that would look like you when you were in the casket. I mean, it was really surreal. There was even like a, it was even kind of funny. Well, they were animated like, also. You that can was program program to do weird things. Well, like live shows. shows. Live shows. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was getting at there. Ew. So, um, so I thought that was, uh, very, uh, interesting. And I, I mean, I, I also thought the fact that, and I, I, you know, I didn't read a whole lot into it. And honestly, this movie probably does deserve uh, a rewatch so I can chew on a lot of these planets a lot more. Cause I think there was almost an overwhelming amount of things to chew on at one time. But I did th- find the idea that Mars, the the manufacturer of war, being a woman, was very, very interesting. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Well, there's there's gender inversions on yeah. uh, almost all the planets. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much, Mister Caleb Masters, Mister Dalton Stewart. I I really enjoy all, really all the ones you guys have already mentioned. Um, Arthur mentioned the uh, the toy manufacturer. Um, Caleb mentioned both Mars and Venus. Uh, Alex, you spoke at length on Venus. I, these are some of my favorite ones. So I want to actually talk about one that I didn't enjoy quite as much, but I think I want to mention because it is really interesting. Uh, and that's the um, the financial advisor whose planet is Venus or um, Uranus, um, because his proposal is really 
he's like he he's responsible for balancing the books of this this fictional nation state um which just seems to symbolize all of the west and also uh central america um mm-hmm. and parts of south america because jordawski was from chile so he's you know got some things to say um about that part of the world but this financial advisor basically says hey w- we have to kill 4 million people uh w- within the next what is it like 2 years or we're going to we're going to go broke um, which really uh, called to mind for me, uh, Jonathan Swift's uh, highly influential and historical piece of satire, Modest Proposal, which was published in 1729. I'll go ahead and read you uh, the actual full title. It's usually just referred to as a modest proposal, but the full title is A Modest Proposal for Preventing the Children of Poor People from Being a Burden to Their parents or their country and for making them beneficial to the public so in the early 1700s uh in england uh, a bunch of people bitching about the irish um and jonathan swift said well if it's such a problem we could just eat them and now the, the, the irish are taking our, the irish are taking our jobs and eating all of our food and jonathan swift said well if the irish are such a problem because they're eating all of our food let's just eat the irish and make them useful um obviously he was kidding um people did not realize he was kidding at the time um well not i shouldn't say people there there were um, the, the, there are historically recorded accounts of um, his satire completely going over the heads of some, um, which satire seems to continue to do to this day. I just thought it was really interesting that Jordawaski had this financial advisor uh, character making the same point in 1974 that had been made in 1729 and is still being made in 2016. I think it's brilliant. Excellent, excellent. They're, they're, they're great vignettes all, and it's definitely, definitely just a, a, a very, very interesting film. It's, it's definitely doing a lot of uh, fascinating social commentary and satire. Um, my last question deals with uh, the way the film concludes. Uh, that now, Again, we've kind of talked about this a little bit um, off and on. Just go ahead and explain it out there for all the dear listeners in case they haven't gotten around to checking this movie out and they're just going to listen to what we have to say instead, which I'm not going to say that'd be terrible to do. Um, I think the movie's worth watching, but you know you could definitely do that. Uh, as uh, they get to the top of the holy mountain, and uh, there are again the, the the KKK around the table, these dummies with these uh, strange hoods that are very very clan like in their design. But what happens though is that they're talking about this whole quest for enlightenment, this use of you know this sort of uh, odd you know brew of uh, various Eastern and Western religions uh, to achieve this enlightenment. And and the last thing he says though is though this is not reality. What we're doing here, this this whole process of, of doing, we're, we're actually preparing ourselves for reality. In fact, it's so not reality, this is actually a film. And then Jordawoski looks into the lens and says, pull back camera. And the camera pulls back, and you see the crew and the boom mic and everyone there standing around. And the point, I think, being, um, you know, get your carcass back out there in the world and go do something, right? Uh, that political art like this uh, is great. It's fun to think about and to meditate upon, to laugh at, to you know be challenged by. But if it's only the sort of intellectual practice, which um, sometimes religion is as well, if that's all it is, then um, it's kind of useless. So I, I, I think his goal then is to make this into a politically significant film. I guess my question then, is does he succeed in that at all? I I, I think I mean it, once you get over the shock of um, oh shit you're just going to go ahead and point out that I've been watching a movie this whole time okay um, interesting um, and again this just speaks to all the different influences that this film has had on popular culture throughout the um, intervening um, God oh, what forty years now jeez um, almost um. Yeah, I think that call to action works because he just is insisting uh, to the audience, this was just a movie. Go. Get the fuck. Leave. Go home. Get out of here. Ferris Bueller. Exactly. Uh, And says, go out in the world and do something about this if any section of this film irritated you. Yeah, and this is what... I mean, I think it, within the text of the film itself, he's also doing this in his role as the alchemist magician man. He sends a Jesus figure down the mountain and is like, okay, well, you now know all these lessons. Now you got to do something with it and, you know, be among the the prostitutes and the tax collectors and, and do your shtick, like, because you know all the bad things that are happening because I've showed them to you. And then in this way, I feel like we then have this opportunity to parallel the uh, as the audience have the parallel to yeah we as the audience have the opportunity to parallel with this christ-like figure and it's like 
we can also transcend the this morass of shit, you know, money that we're in. And we can then aspire to something greater once we know this critique of our own society, which I feel like is very pointed and very accurate. I don't think that Jordawaski's pulling any punches and saying really anything that's not actually true in um in his round table of the 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 planets and the symbol symbolism therein. Um so yeah, I, I feel like that call to action is pretty significant and that it it does work because I mean I you you have to feel compelled whenever someone does something like that that is so jarring and unexpected. Well yeah and uh just kind of following up with that I I, I think you know, as the audience, uh, it's it's no, it's just a, another commentary on the, the point of film. You don't watch a movie just to watch a movie, right? Like you watch a movie to 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 inspire you and move you to go do something to make the world better. Become aware of the issues and the world, the the evils that are going on in the world, and go do something about it. And I, I definitely think it's a it's a powerful statement. And I think there's a lot of different ways to read the the, the ins and outs of of the final moment. But that when he you know they point back and look and hey now it's this is a movie. Now you know. I, I just I think it's beautiful because it encapsulates. I mean, the, most of the reason I watch movie, we watch a movie to be inspired and to to do great things and to, um, you know, know how to talk to other people about these issues. So I, I thought I thought it was beautiful, honestly. I concur. Thank you very much uh, for that, guys. I I don't know. I I I, I, I want it to. But then I think about the audience of stoners who, and you know, sort of former hippies moving into the, <laughs> in the seventies, and you know, of course, they became the yuppies eventually as well. And so I, I worry that it wasn't all that effective. And I also worry that even though it does absolutely make its case and does it well, and I think for us we're motivated as we experience it. But I do worry that because it is, I mean, it's definitely boutique cinema. There's 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 is a very specific audience that's going to check this out. Whether or not it inspired the world to change, I have not a single doubt in my mind that it inspired a generation of filmmakers to do the to 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 be um, to feel like their art form mattered, to be activists in their films. I mean, Terry Gilliam, obviously had mm-hmm. a huge. I mean, there's a lot of directors that were very likely influenced, and I'm not. But Terry Gilliam clearly inspired by this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and you know there had to have been at least a half other half half a dozen or two, you know, dozen other auteur directors who had seen this movie at some point in their career and like this is why i do movies now i'm gonna go make the my movies so i think it i I think it uh, definitely had an impact on hollywood uh and the way we make films i I would say so does it impact the world i I think that's a that's a fair question to ask well and I, i remember when we were watching it actually um in the first 15 20 minutes of this movie where i was relentlessly shit talking it um dustin made the point well you know he's trying to inspire change in the world uh and i said something to the effect of if you want to inspire change make a movie people are going to fucking watch right um and then i think together uh we came to this point but i remember saying that and again to caleb's point i remember saying yeah the best you can hope for is that somebody who's going to make something a little bit more commercial is going to see this movie and hopefully turn out something that people will see and will hopefully inspire change yeah and that's Caleb, you make a great point. Sometimes that's the best you can hope for with a weird ass movie like this is somebody who's you know not gonna necessarily be a sellout, but will make something that'll get butts in seats um, and a, a mass audience will attach to and really be inspired to uh, you know provoke change through. Going back to kind of our like Christianity symbolism we've been talking about, I mean, it's really like you know you have this prophet from on high, you know he he gets a message from God and then he interprets it interprets it in his way, but you have to have these other individuals also, you know, in this older context, like funneling this information because not everyone can see the prophet. Not everyone can hear the prophet and, and see what he has to say, you know, literally or symbolically or what have you. So whenever you have all these other beacons of knowledge from this, you know, this, this truth, then, I mean, that just diffuses the message. Oh, absolutely. Well, to speak to the prophetic tradition, I think uh, in literature, uh, this film could be in some ways described as a Jeremiah, right? 
And uh, it, it definitely does do that sort of, you know, sort of homiletical um, pastor preaching uh, tradition. It definitely connects with that as an indictment about, you know, these are the poxes upon the world right now and something must be done, right? So uh, there you go, dear listener. Um, I'm really, really, I really just am thrilled with this analysis and sort of just these thoughts about this movie. I'm really glad that we got a chance to watch together. Um, I'm sorry, everyone, uh, for uh, forcing that <laughs> upon you. Uh, I watched it, I watched it twice actually last week. I watched it once on my own and then we decided we we're going to watch it all together and as i'm watching it the first time i thought oh my word guys i am i am really really sorry and uh but you know it worked out and again watching it together i think was quite helpful because it's insane bonkers barking mad but uh enough of this i think we need to move on to our next section of the show good trash genre cast is brought to you in part by sad men for lonely Have you ever found yourself yearning for the glorious moments of your past? I know I have, but we can't offer that to you. But we can give you the next best thing. The Beginner's Guide to Loneliness, a collection of the most shared, viewed, and favorited articles from sadmenforlonelywomen.com. The Beginner's Guide to Loneliness is available over at Amazon.com. Pick up your copy today. Thanks so much for listening to that word from our sponsor. Let's move on in the show and do what we always do as we end a film out, and that is to make a decision to render a verdict shelf or trash and uh, with The Holy Mountain and then recommend our else's or instead's. I'm very excited to hear how this works out. I go to you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? Yeah, it's not for everybody, but if you're into film um, and popular culture, this is something you should check out, almost certainly. Um, so for that reason, I, I say shelf it. This is something you need to put dry balls on as soon as you have a chance if you get, care about film. If you just kind of have a passing interest in film and you listen to this show because it gives you something to take the mind off of the, your shin splints while you're jogging, then yeah, probably not for you. So, I mean, if, if what we've said uh, completely turns you off, then yeah. Don't bother to watch it because it's not for you. But if you, you've you been hearing all this madness out of context and you're like, what the fuck? I need to know more. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it, it's it's the movie for you. Uh, to pair with it, I would say you check out um, Leo Cross film from 2013? I want to say 2013, 2014. Uh, Holy Motors, um, a uh, show we discussed as part of the uh, brief-lived and uh, quickly aborted uh, Good Trash Genrecast spinoff, Good Trash Do Cinema, that has now become... Uh, the uh, film syllabus, which is going to be a monthly show brought to you by Good Trash Media that's going to be hosted by Dustin and Alex. But uh, hopefully they'll they'll um, revisit Holy Motors as part of that show because, man, it's fucking good. It could happen. It could happen. I am, I am glad that Good Trash to Cinema has arisen like a phoenix from the ashes and we've got something else that we can do I, now. I definitely I do want to say I definitely like Holy Motors a whole lot more than this movie. So maybe uh, follow up uh, Holy Mountain with Holy Motors. But it's definitely a film that is clearly inspired by Jordawowski. Excellent. Thank you for that very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you say, Ms. Alexander Bohannon? Shelf for trash, else or instead? You'll know if it's within your wheelhouse. It's If it is, then shelf for you. I mean, I, I'm going to say shelf for me as well. Um, I'm really glad I saw this film because I know it's so influential and I can just feel the way it touches each part of our uh, larger pop culture and society. Um, two films to recommend alongside... Uh, we've already discussed both of them, one of which is um, Lynch's Mulholland Drive, which you have uh, definitely has a similar like WTF and a really brilliant payout. It doesn't make end. sense until it makes perfect and sense. And then it's beautiful. Um, then I would also recommend to you um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail yes. because, yeah. uh, I, I mean, this movie is was clearly influenced by the Holy Mountain. And I do find it an interesting pattern that uh, Holy Mountain, Holy Motors, Holy Grail. I, I mean, it's there's something there, maybe. So um, definitely check those two out in conjunction with this movie. Holy movie titles, Batman. Excellent. I like that very, very much. Across the table, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? I'm going to continue the uh, the train of rolling. I'm going to say shelf it. I think it is a, a, a valuable film. I think it's a highly influential piece. I think, um, like everybody said, if it's in your wheelhouse, check it out because, it, I mean, it's it's influenced more than you probably realized. Uh, and uh, to start echoing Alex again, I'm going to say uh, not only watch uh, Holy Grail, but you watch Meaning of Life and Life of Brian. I think all three 
uh, the Python films work definitely uh, perfectly as a, a follow up to the Holy Mountain uh, to see that influence. And I think it's it's perfectly fitting that we're watching Brazil next week uh, because the influence is all over that as well. And so, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you say? Shell for trash else or instead? Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, the train's going. The train's going because I'm going to say if I was a professor of film or avant-garde, this would have be an absolute shelfer. And in celebration of Anti-Trash trash Month, let's just say I am, so it's going to be on my shelf. I, I think this is, a, is, is hugely uh, – has had such a huge impact on pop culture. If you are a, a real connoisseur of film, you really do need to check this out, and it's worth having on your shelf so that you can show to other people. Uh, is this a movie I'm going to just you know watch on any old day? Absolutely not, but I, I think it's worth having on your shelf to share with people who – you know well enough to know that, hey... To should... inflict upon people. Yes, Dustin, that's exactly why you had it on your <laughs> show. To hold them while they cry <laughs> through that first 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give it a shelfer. And, uh, well, you guys stole my else's, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll with... Uh, on the note of Terry Gilliam, he released Zero the-, the Zero Theorem, starring Christoph Waltz last year, which was a really great movie that got absolutely no sunshine. Great uh, pairing with next week's film, Brazil, from what I understand. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I thought it'd be funny. People climbing a mountain. Just go watch 2015's Everest, which was not a good movie <laughs> at all. But it's people climbing a mountain. What I want to have it happen at the end of Everest was when everyone's dead is for Josh Brolin to say, Pull back camera. <laughs> oh my god! I, I want that mashup so bad right now. Oh me! Uh, what I would want to say uh, in terms of shelf or trash, it's already on my shelf. So I mean, my my cards are already on the table. My my tarot deck, <laughs> self stylized, is already there uh, for that. And I I like this movie a whole lot. I think it's definitely worth watching and uh, worth sharing with others. I'm going to recommend some other Jodorowsky films um, because I think they're worth seeing. Uh, the the predecessor is El Topo, his acid western, and uh, it's um it's really I mean as brilliant as uh, Holy Mountain. It's it's simpler I think. In some ways, but uh, it's definitely very, very fun and it's insane. Um, and then I'm also going to recommend Santa Sangre, which is his um, stab at a horror film. It's sort of a slasher film, but it's definitely got the Jodo touch and uh, it's insane. The Jodo that you do, never mind. What? I was trying to do a voodoo that you do, but with the, Jodo. Hoodoo. Hoodoo that Jodo. Yeah, no, fuck it. Judo that my, you I hate, do. I hate myself. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got longer. We have recommended some things to you, and we want you to check those things out. Let's move on, though, and uh, talk about listener feedback. I am so happy that we've used some of the stylings, uh, musical stylings from the film, which Jordawoski helped compose as well. And so that's very interesting. Those uh, came with the particular box set that I own. Uh, there's a soundtrack for The Holy Mountain, also a soundtrack for El Topo. Um, and I'm glad we're using it here because otherwise, why would you sit down and listen to this ever? So thank you for making it useful now. I feel like I, my purchase has now been um, somehow um, verified and uh, validated. I was very validated. confused whenever that music came <laughs> on. I mean, I played that in my car all day long, Dustin. I don't know what you're talking for about. For days, man. Uh, well, let's talk about Lister feedback. Arthur, do you know anything about that? Uh, yeah, uh, listeners can connect with us on Facebook. Uh, you can keep up with everything that's happening in Good Trash Media at facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Media. We did change the URL over there, so uh, just... Uh, for those who are paying attention, uh, you can connect with us at good trash at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. Uh, that's going to be a hard habit to break. Uh, we had a piece of feedback coming out from over there. Uh, Keithan, uh, who's becoming a regular commenter of the week for us on Facebook, left some feedback about a uh, film that is finally getting a release in the States. Uh, he says, what I'm fired up for this week in pop culture. Uh, found out about this uh, a few days ago. So cool. They are finally bringing this film to the States. Um, did we get a title on that, Caleb? Uh, we did, indeed. It's actually Studio Ghibli's, apparently it's like a long-lost masterpiece that never got a U.S. release, titled, uh, at least the English title, is Only Yesterday. Only Yesterday. Awesome. Uh, Keithan says it isn't Miyazaki, but this is the same guy that did Grave of the Fireflies and the Tale of the Princess Kaguya. I have been to get around to Grave of the Fireflies for so long. Uh, and he says, uh, I guess Daisy Ridley is doing some voiceover work for the film, and so he said that it's cool to see that. I'm in. 
Uh, and we've had a lot of love on Facebook this week. We've picked up about 60 new likes, followers over there. A lot of reach as far as people seeing our posts and people sharing that stuff. And we're so thankful for that because it's really getting the word out about Good Trash and Good Trash Media. Uh, we had some back and forth with Eric King from the OKC Film Club after Alex uh, went and partied with uh, Eating Raul uh, last night. Uh, down in OKC. And so we've had some fun interactions there. And so you can connect with us there. Uh, you can also catch us on Google Plus. Uh, give us a plus one and a like over there. And you can email us, uh, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which conversations could be held? The cross was Twitter. <laughs> and, and Twitter was also the tree of good and evil. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find Good Trash Media, the Good Trash Genrecast, and all other associated nonsense over on Twitter at good underscore trash. Was that your best Matthew McConaughey impression? Because <laughs> that's what I was nah, getting. My best Matthew McConaughey sounds more like this, Alex. Okay, sorry. Hung over my hot McConaughey? Please continue. McConaughey doesn't get hung over, man. I only smoke that fine doobie. That might be one of his better impressions. <laughs> my Matthew, I'm not going to lie. My Matthew McConaughey is pretty good. It's it's about as good as my iced tea, um, depending on the day. <laughs> I want to shoot you so bad my dick is hard. I've only got like two good impressions, but I insist on doing all of them. That's uh, accurate. Once again, you can find Good Trash Genrecast and Good Trash Media on Twitter at good underscore trash. A um, lot of retweets and favorites, some of them associated with uh, Alex's trip out to the OKC Film Club screening at District House uh, earlier this week that you've already heard about. Uh, tons and tons of new followers, which is really fun. I uh, appreciate those follows, guys. Uh, thank you very much. So there you go, dear listener. Uh, obviously, you can find everything Good Trash, all the spinoff shows, all of our articles and all that good stuff at GoodTrashMedia.com. Um, that's after a triple W dot. And uh, just keep that in mind and uh, check that out. Also, we love to see feedback on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, those ratings and comments are are very, very helpful. I should have mentioned a lot of that uh, Twitter uh, retweet and like love was uh directed at your uh, your very first article for your ongoing series uh i protein which is going to be a weekly feature on goodtrashmedia.com in which you discussed uh how, i i believe, believe it was uh, here's honey the uh, nostalgia of star wars in which you talked uh, related uh, the force awakens to johnny carson's last episode yes yes that is what the article is about and that's what the love was well that's that's cool that's great some of that love yeah so cool none for me but oh I, i'm teasing i love you you mean the world to me <laughs> all righty gang well we got to move on though because i look at my watch and i realize it's time to play the game That's right, dear listener. We're going to bring some great gameplay to you right now. The game for this week, inspired by our communal watch of The Holy Mountain, is your favorite communal watch film. Either it's a communal watch experience, or it's just a movie that you like to watch in large groups. I go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What's your selection? There's a lot to count, so I'll go quick. Uh, obvious pick has to be Monty Python and the Holy Grail, though. Uh, it was already mentioned on the show. This is the movie. This is the movie, the first time you watch it, I don't think, even if you're watching with a group, it's not really funny. You're like, you're laughing at it because you don't get the joke. And the joke is, there's not a joke. It's really stupid, and you laugh at how ridiculous it all is. Uh, another one I want to give a shout out to was is Black Dynamite, a movie I watched with a bunch of buddies at college at like yeah. 2 a.m. It's uh, it's one of those movies. It's like it's supposed to be a black black exploitation, like a spoof on a black exploitation film. Uh, and it you know so it's another one of those very intentionally made, very poorly. And oh my god, it it's so funny. Uh, mean Girls, uh, another really fun group watch. Uh, a movie I, I probably ha wouldn't have watched the first time had I not watched with a group of friends. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's about my picture of the game. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What are your selections? <clears throat> uh, the one I'm going to go with is. I, uh, this past semester, screened Psycho in class with a bunch of college freshmen uh, who had never seen Psycho, nor probably a black and white movie. And um, it is a testament to Hitchcock's direction at how well he can hook an audience, uh, because this black and white 1960 movie had an entire class, two entire classes uh, hooked and on the edge of their seat and just he had him. He had him by the th hand and was just leading him down. And to see them react to the different things, uh, because they all got real creeped out when Norman shows up. They're like, no, Norman's going to kill her. And then when Mother shows up, it threw them all for a loop. And so to watch that play out and see them all interact with that, engage that, uh, was just a lot of fun. 
Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what's your selection? Oh, uh, I don't want to be a, a, a cheap person and and say Star Wars, but Star Wars, guys, I'm sorry. Oh, that was I just, a great. I, I mean, talking Force Awakens. Oh yeah, Force yeah. Awakens. Oh, I mean, yeah. I just didn't want to steal that. I mean, it was assumed that everyone you would know, would put Star Wars, and especially since we all saw it with the good trashers on that list. Well, I didn't, but oh well, uh, I did. See but it you saw it weekend. with people, oh, people that were dressed up. That, that was it, a, that was a wonderful magical experience. Yes, yeah, it beautiful. sure flipping yeah. was. Of course, uh, another one would be Harry Potter. You know, the lines around the mall. You know, everyone dressed up in costumes palling around with your Harry Potter dweebs. Um, And then my last one, which is on my list of films for 2015, uh, was Inside Out. I went and saw Inside Out with a group of buddies. Um, Only one of them I knew super well, but it was kind of a really beautiful experience because we like we sat at the front of the theater. There's a really full theater in the Warren um, and um, we were in the grand auditorium and we were in near the front and the basically the other the t- two rows around us solid were children oh, and then it was delightful. us. And then um, so, you know, we had like moms and the kids were engrossed by the movie. So it was like a good group of kids. And then so whenever we got to really, really emotional scenes we all cried and then the mothers cried and uh, it was just a really beautiful communal film watching experience um you know that really uplifting and um very very uh cathartic i would say definitely excellent excellent thank you very much for that mr dalton stewart what's your selection well i had a lot of options but i went ahead and pared it down to just one and that is uh my viewing of devil times five Uh, which I I believe I've mentioned on the show before, um, took place with a friend of the show and an occasional guest uh, host, um, Nick Sanford, uh, who is a a, a wonderful local filmmaker and recently discussed Hateful Eight with us on Back to the Movies. Um, He was aware of this movie because it was mentioned uh, as an inspiration on the director's commentary for the horror film Sinister. Um, Found this movie on Amazon for, I'm not kidding you, literally like $3.00. he, myself, and our very good friend, uh, Andrew McDonald, who is working on Nick Sanford's film, The Harvesters, as an editor, I think maybe even as an actor as well, um, and has also uh, been a writing partner uh, with Nick for some time now. Um, the three of us watched that at, at Nick's Cabin, which is a cabin in the woods, and watched The Devil Times Five, which is about five evil children. Um, it is like one of the f- a very early evil children slasher film. It's such a weird, dumb, bullshit movie, but uh, I it was a blast watching it with three the two of them and just ripping on it the entire time. Excellent, excellent. That does sound like a load of fun. Um, I'm going to make a selection now, and I'm really kind of surprised I haven't heard it because we have talked about quotabilities and just films that, again, are very fun to watch in groups. And one of my favorite films to watch in a group of people is The Princess Bride. I, I just yes, oh, my gosh, oh goodness, you know? uh, because you know you keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means, uh, Caleb and or whomever. But uh, that's uh, that's just one of those things and one of those great films uh, for just those kinds of <laughs> selections uh, and what have you and whatnot. Dear listener, we'd like to hear your selections as well, your favorite communal watches, whether they be experiences with a particular film that just because the experience itself was beautiful and wonderful and unique, or because because it's just a movie that really, really lends itself to group watchings. We'd like to hear either way of that uh, category working out in the feedback places uh, we've already mentioned so far on the show. But let's move on and conclude the show as we always do with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. That's right, dear listener, all of the roofs of pop culture are on fire, and we are so excited to talk about all of the things. Let's move around the table clockwise. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what are you fired up about this week? Um, just one thing, and the internet is collectively fired up about this, is uh, Netflix's original Making a Murderer. I have not finished it. Um, I know what happens because I unfortunately, well, I mean, it's true crime so what have you i read a new york times article about how one of the prosecutors is like the evidence was misrepresented and i'm like oh so what and then you know i figured out what happened but um it's really really interesting i know uh true crime came really trendy after serial um and this is like serial times like a million because it's it's like a more bonkers case with you know like you know, actual courtroom uh, videography and in the media circus surrounding this uh, this case. It's just bananas. And I, I hope that 
I, I really hope that the documentarians are presenting this case more accurately than what I hear that they might be um, doing, which makes me feel uncomfortable. But, um, you know, what can you do? It's it's uh, I, I, I marathoned the entire thing in like a night. Yeah, that was a bad idea. But uh, it's definitely a documentary, meaning they definitely have an angle. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's about all the things I am fired up about right now. Well, thank you for that very much, Ms. Alexander Bohan. And Mr. Caleb Masters, are you fired up as well? Uh, well, you know, outside of The Making of Murder, uh, which I marathoned in one night because I was doing other things and it was on and I was like, oh, well, I just got to keep this train going. It's 2, 3 in the morning. Uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, mostly, though, not not a whole lot. I, I did finally, I'm, I'm trying to catch up on things I missed from the holiday season because uh, there's just been a whole lot of everything, like movies, games, TV, all sorts of stuff. And something that I started a year ago that I finally completed was the Telltale Games, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the last episode finally came out in November. Yes, it's, you it was, finished it. I did. I well, finished it not that long ago myself. I, I literally forgot it existed and like at 1 in the morning the other day. I'm like, hey, that's out, and I'm not doing anything. I should download it right now. And I did. I finished it. And I was like, holy crap, it took me a year to beat this one game because they release it in episodes over the course of a year. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, lots of twists, very game, Game of Thronesy. You know, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, I, especially since every episode's out now and you can probably buy all six of them for like 10 bucks, I go out and buy it because it's, it's really fun to engage in the world. And like when you're in the moment, like you feel you're, it, it's so Game of Thrones because you feel like your decisions really have an impact on like life or death of like lots of people. So that's good stuff. Um, outside of that, I'm still very fired up, uh, about back to the movies because we had a really great, a discussion of the Hateful Eight with a uh, guest host Nick Sanford this last week. That is uh, that's, that's uh, live, and we also have our latest episode uh, reviewing The Big Short. That is also out. Uh, a movie, uh, The Big Short, probably one of my favorite movies of 2015. That I had to go retro- retroactively revamp my best of 2015 so I could put it in there uh, because it's a, it is a, it is a really really excellent film. Uh, if you're looking to get like the inside scoop on the 2008 housing collapse and all of the shenanigans, all of all of the shenanigans that were going on uh, with the, the with the banks and capitalism and all that good stuff back in 2008. So yeah, uh, that's about all the fire I've got this week, Dustin. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you share the fire as well? Uh, a couple things. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I've heard rumor uh, that Carol. Uh, Todd Haynes' uh, critically acclaimed film from 2015 will be finally opening in Oklahoma City at the Quail Springs Mall, potentially, and so that is exciting. That's a movie I've been looking forward to uh, greatly. I'm also looking forward to Anomalisa. Hopefully, we will get that soon as well. And uh, also, uh, Alejandro's Inuritu's, uh The Revenant, uh, where Leo plays a wild man and Tom Hardy's awesome, as Tom Hardy is always awesome. Uh, they're all uh, opening soon, and so I'm excited to see those. Uh, the other thing is a bit of wrestling a gossip slash news that I'm excited about. Uh, it has been rumored heavily over the last couple of days that the WWE has signed uh, New Japan's uh, members Bullet Club, uh, AJ Styles, a couple of others, as well as their star Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, who could possibly be making a appearance soon, and Finn Balor, who is the founder of the Bullet Club uh, before coming to uh, the WWE, uh, has posted some really fun stuff on social media about that uh, impending rumor and possible debut and so yeah. that's just really exciting times for wrestling fans oh yeah definitely really cool considering the balor club shirts that they have out i mean it was like it was like a matter of time yeah 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 anyway yeah. balor balor posted a picture on instagram wearing his bullet club shirt saying they were supposed to be here already and oh, so man. it's a lot of fun yeah. to see that kind of stuff sorry Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm so glad you're fired up about it. Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up this week? Not particularly. Most of the things I'm excited uh, about have been mentioned. Um, not the wrestling. The okay, other, good. The other stuff. Oh, um, just kidding. But uh, there is one thing I'm excited about. I, I caught up with Bone Tomahawk, um, which I've seen described and I feel is a succinct summation of it. Um, I've seen it described as the searchers meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, nice. I'd say that's pretty fair. Yes, uh, please. It was a pretty small indie western from 2015, but has a great cast featuring Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, uh, Richard Jenkins, and just, I did not realize it was Richard Jenkins until there was a, a particular way, just based, he's, he's got this whole manner about him that's very um, against type that I really enjoyed. Um, and also uh, Matthew Fox from uh, Lost. 
Um, yeah, just really, uh, it's a first-time director who, who's been working as an author for some time, who, whose name escapes me. Um, but a really interesting film that uh, is on Amazon Prime now. I'm glad I finally caught around, uh, got around to catching up with it. Oh, it's on Prime? Yeah, it's on, oh. it's on Amazon Prime. It went live uh, a couple just a few days ago. Oh, that's exciting. That, that's that been getting a lot of buzz, like in film circle, online film circles, about movies from 2015. You probably missed one of those. Yeah. Like, Bone Tom was at the it, top of a lot of lists. It's got some some problems um, that I'll, I'll save in case we ever discuss it on the show, but I really liked it a lot. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, I am fired up about a couple things. Uh, first of all, I'm fired up about the first episode of the film syllabus that just dropped uh, from the Good Trash Media Network. Alex and I did a uh, well, Alex did a fantastic job, and I was there. And so I'm Whatever, glad of that. Whatever, old man. Whatever. And it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's a pretty good show. Um, I did get a phone call bit of feedback from a listener who also happens to be a friend, and that was very gratifying to hear. The, so thanks, it, Randall. He said in our group chat, he's like, so uh, Randall called me and i'm like he called you and yeah that was a that was a cool moment i really appreciate it very very exciting also this month we're going to be dropping the first episode of the cast who knew too much where arthur gordon and i are going to take on the entirety of the oeuvre of one alfred hitchcock and that's going to be very very exciting and what what happens at the end of it do you guys commit uh like ritual samurai suicide Correct. Yeah. Okay. The life has no more meeting left yeah. after they've done that, so it's, it's all over. So I'm very, very, very excited about that. Um, lastly, in pop culture, as far as those things which one can consume that are just part of culture themselves as artifacts, um, Neil Gaiman's The Sandman uh, finally bounded up the uh, Sandman Overtures, uh, six-shot uh, series that is sort of a prequel to uh, Preludes and Nocturnes, the very first The Sandman books. And it's a great, brilliant wraparound where it sort of introduces what happened to Dream that got him in the situation that he was in, but it also sort of ends the other set of stories and then wraps you back around to the other and you just want to read it in a loop all the time now. And it's really kind of brilliantly written, very, very beautifully drawn, and uh, definitely, definitely... You worth your time one of these days i'm going to get around to uh borrowing preludes and nocturnes from you again and sure actually reading it this time and not holding on to it for like 18 months i'll believe it when i see it sir uh but i'll dream a little dream about that and hopefully it'll happen uh but there you go there's a pun and we're done this is fun we've been at we've been doing the show i'm doing dr seuss for some strange reason all by accident here and uh, we are very 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 glad that you listen to the show about the holy mountain we want to let you know about next week's show in which we take a look at terry gilliam's brazil and uh, more anti-trash for you all there. It's going to be very, very exciting. We want to remind you all that movies are so much more than just 90 minutes and a bucket of popcorn. It's about a conversation. And uh, we're glad to be having this conversation together with one another and with you in the future. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. The Good Trash Genrecast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genrecast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.